Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of First Strike. In this episode, we had Dan Schneider talking about Mono Green Devotion, as well as Attila Fur, who played Gruel Vehicles, and, and he plans to play the same at Calgary. And so it, it, we have two conversations coming up, and it was very insightful to, to pick their brains about both decks and also to hear the developments of the metagame from, from Andy and Derek. I, I thought that was awesome, and anyone who is going to play Pioneer this weekend uh, is doing themselves a, a good a good thing by listening to this episode. Um, but I did want to mention to anyone going to this weekend that we recently updated, this is important, the address of the venue. Uh, basically, it was originally linking to the Calgary Stampede, which is a really big area. And uh, the address that's now updated is the specific building and hall that the tournament will take place in. So it might be, it's like a five minute walk, five to 10 minute walk from the original address, but make sure you are going to hall A of the big four roadhouse. That's where the tour weekend is actually held because there's like the BMO center. There's like a bunch of things like, just like how in Toronto, there's like the North and South building. And then I think, Mandy, you might, someone in our chat mentioned, like, it took a while to find Hall G. I think John said that, actually. John said he got, you know, sort of lost, and it took him a while when he thought he was at the venue. He messaged me, and then, like, it had to take him 10 minutes. So make sure we apologize for the inconvenience. It should have been the original address from the beginning. Um, certain lack of, there was a certain miscommunication there, but make sure you go to Hall A of the Big Four Roadhouse. And with that said, um, what did you think of the the episode, Andy? Well, we got a lot of uh, happy sandwiches in there. I think if you're a happy sandwich stan, you're going to like the episode. We talked a lot about what Happy Sandwich has done with Gruel Vehicles. And I think their innovation, it might not be that well known at the moment, but I think it's taking it to a better level. And it seems something so obvious and simple. And a we talk about that a couple times with both guests. It comes up. I think it's just crazy how Derek talked about a, de a, a specific card that Happy Sandwich played a playset of that impressed him. And then Attila is like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing four right now. Right now I'm playing four. So that was really cool. Um, and so how are you feeling, Derek, heading into Calgary? Confident? Yeah, I mean, I'm as, I'm as confident as I was for Toronto. There's a, a bit more of a weight taken off my shoulders now that I have already qualified. Um, there's, like, a little bit less pressure. Um, I felt like playing so much Pioneer leading up to the event and having people talk about me and say my name, it was like I had to perform. Uh, and I've been in that position before where I had near misses and didn't quite – uh, hit my stride and last time I did. And so now I just like, I just get to vibe for this event. But the unfortunate thing about magic is it's not like a movie. The days keep going and you, there are more events and there's always something else to perform at. And I'm excited because I think it is now a good time to be playing red black, but I'm a little bit nervous in that. I think that uh, a lot more people are catching up to my my choices there's less of a gap between me and some other people in the room than there was last week and so i think my competition is going to be a bit more difficult um, where people are going to be a bit more knowledgeable about the format and there's going to be a bit more uh, better decisions along the line whether it be in-game or deck building happy sandwich can't be the only one getting away with uh good deck building choices if people want to qualify for the pt and i think that other people are going to figure that out soon um, so happy, excited, but also a little concerned and, uh, ready to see what my, my choices lead out, ready to see some results. Yeah. It's definitely nice to go into the event already qualified for the pro tour doing the millionaire or the billionaire strut walking into the venue. I think, uh, it takes a huge weight off the shoulders for the event, which basically we're playing, uh, a 15 to 20k or however much the prizes are for like a 200 person one for worlds is what we're doing a lot of people think like uh 
winning worlds means like represent they feel like they're representing Canada because of how the tournament structure is like because there's these regional championships do you feel that way Andy would it be would it feel like you know you've been on Canada's team before oh thank you uh it would I don't think it's going to be quite the same just because there's going to be 128 players at worlds if I recall it's not the small like 25 30s 40 player worlds we've had uh most recently so it's going to be a lot more players there you will be representing your country in a sense and that's how you got there by besting your countrymen and country women but i think uh it's not quite the same not quite the same but it's still super rewarding feeling qualifying for worlds i imagine i'll let you know um i mean it, it's a high stakes um match at the, the finals that we talked about last week um and i think uh so these conversations were recorded beforehand the ones with dan schneider and attila fur and uh enjoy these interviews and we will see you next week hopefully with one of these two qualifying for worlds enjoy okay and now for for this part of the show we got dan schneider on the show how's it going my man uh, it's going great thanks for asking Pre-show, Andy asked if you were there for Toronto, and and actually wanted to say that the reason you're on the show is because uh, my friend Pascal Maynard had had a lot of uh, kind things to say about you and uh, your interactions with him. He thought he enjoyed uh, the game with you. Thought you you were a solid player, and then I also heard from another source you were pretty. That's why I approached you on Twitter. You were pretty chatty in your mirror match against uh, Christian Trudel. So uh, <laughs> that's that's why you're on the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, I always have a, have a lot to say when I'm playing Magic uh, because uh, I'm enjoying myself. Uh, I like, I'm happy to be there. I, I'm having a good time. I'm playing a deck that I find is uh, just a lot of fun, and so I, I'm really enjoying myself the, the entire time. And uh, yeah, my games against Pascal were, were great games. Um, yeah, let's start off with uh, where you're from and uh, if you're planning to to go to Calgary this this upcoming weekend. I'm uh, sure. Yeah, so I uh, I'm originally from Rosse, New Brunswick. Uh, and I uh, currently living in the capital, uh, big uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, mass massive city. Uh, and I am actually flying from from New Brunswick uh, tomorrow morning at uh, eight a.m. to uh, Calgary, and I will be playing playing in the RC. And in Toronto, you had a pretty sick run uh, at, at least day one and, and the start of day two, I believe, and then and then the the wheels came off, but. Uh... They did. So tell us about that, like the, the whole Toronto as, as a whole. Oh, sure. Yeah, so Toronto started off kind of uh, rough for me in that I, I took a round one loss and uh, kind of decided to rally back instead of letting it get to me and I proceeded to win the next five rounds. Um, there were some good games in there. I played against some pretty good opponents. And all in all, I, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, I then took a draw before the end of day one, but I, I finished day one on six, one and one. I was feeling pretty good about that um yeah and and that was a quite a quite a good start for me as a, my last kind of tournament of that caliber would have been uh our uh rptqs uh several years ago um yeah back uh back much before COVID, I, I would say um you mentioned like you mentioned before the show that that you know you're from new brunswick and this is like this was a tournament for you to face people of, of varying skill levels um, how was that experience? Did you feel like uh, you got to play some some of the stronger players of this country? Yeah, I, I definitely felt that way. And uh, that was honestly the part that I enjoyed the most about that tournament. And the reason I look back on it like really fondly is because the people I played were of such a high caliber and it just felt uh, really good to uh, be able to kind of have these like intense back and forth games of magic where like it really felt like anything could happen and uh, being able to like pull through some of those and even the ones where I took a loss, I, I still feel pretty, pretty good about most of those games. Yeah. And so one, the, the thing that I heard, oh, so we'll get down to your mono green list was uh, against Christian Trudel. You were, someone said that you were in shock that his list didn't have four Kioras and you were like, what, what, what's going on? That's the best card in the deck. So I want to know, like with people like, with I don't know how many people are planning to play model green heading into um Calgary if you had like comments on what you think is like the best version like these little cards um 
know, compared to the winner list, the winner included, um, I think had Nissa, one copy of Nissa, and some people were praising him for having, uh, I believe, two dampening, two damping spheres in his list. I don't mm -hmm. know how you feel about that. So like the differences sure. and and whether you talk about on, on pre-show, like, you know, you feel Teferi's in a good spot. So go ahead. Yeah, so uh, the reason I chose the list that I did was because I um, personally uh, lean towards uh, a combo playstyle, and uh, with a deck like this, where I am uh, really a combo deck that has a fair game plan, I, I want to try and maximize my percent chance of being able to untap and combo off and prevent my opponent from ever untapping. And so basically, I, I maximized uh, Teferi's, uh, by, by maximize, I mean, I played two, um, which I think is like really the maximum number of uh, uncastables you want in your deck at, at any time. Because it, it there was one game where it did did catch up to me and I did, didn't didn't have an Oath of Nyssa and ended up with two Teferi's in my hand. And like those those games are, are clearly painful, but the games where you can resolve a Teferi, um, every mode on him is relevant. I mean, except except for the ultimate, but that really never comes up. And uh, I I did register a Lovestruck Beast in the Toronto tournament, and I ended up regretting it. I don't think I would do it again. And in my list that I registered for Calgary, I, I ended up cutting it for a. Um, I'm going to try and say this card name correctly. I've said it wrong every time. The Might Stone and the Weak Stone. Yeah, that is uh, what I've decided to cut the Love Struck Beast for, as I found it has made my storms even more explosive with the ability to uh, be hit alongside Cavalier to enable an immediate Nykthos activation in the situations where um, you, you are able to follow up the Cavalier with, with a Nykthos. Um, and so I've, I've really liked that. Um, as, a, as a combo player through and through, I just uh, usually to my list to maximize combo potential. Um, in terms of the Nissa, I, I, um, I don't think the card is bad per se, and I think it definitely is, is quite good in the matchups, uh, like uh, the black-red matchup, it seems like it, it would really shine. And uh, I haven't done a lot of testing with it myself, but playing against Christian and, and seeing it in his deck, it, it definitely had some power to it. Um, my major complaint with, with Nyssa would be that it doesn't uh, curve off of turn one elf the way that Kiora does and, and allow you to have those explosive turn threes um, as easily. Uh, however, it is obviously a better hit off Storm. So you, you kind of have some give and take there. Um, in, in reference to the damping sphere in the sideboard, uh, we, Christian and I were talking, and when he looked at my list initially, he, he, he looked at me and said that he didn't think I was prepared for Lotus Field. And uh, having beaten up on the deck all day, I, I kind of I scoffed at that a little a little bit, but it, like he made a, a like a fair point where having a second damping sphere does kind of shore up that matchup in that extra way. Um, in my experience, though, um, the Lotus Field matchup can be fairly easily navigated by Mono Green as long as you kind of uh, sequence your Karn activations in the right way. Um, the Lotus Field matchup is is like heavily dependent on mulliganing to Karn and having an like as quick a Karn as possible. And so when you resolve that Karn, you initially grab a Damping Sphere. Um, usually, um, you are able to resolve this Damping Sphere. And unless they have untapped green source Poseju, you're kind of in the clear to sit there for a turn. Um, you, you kind of, the next strat is to Pithing Needle Poseju. And then before they can get four mana for Odawara, you uh, Stone Brain away their Odawara. And so it's kind of like a a series of plays that slowly choke the life out of the Lotus Field player, and, and that is um, how I navigated my two my two Lotus Field matchups that day or uh, over the course of the tournament. And uh, it it seemed it worked for me. Uh, I, I do understand the second damping sphere, but I just really like having a breadth of tutor targets in my in my sideboard. So I couldn't really imagine doubling up on any one of them when there's so many like great ways to protect them that exists already. Um, and I just think uh, if sequenced properly, I don't think you really require the uh, second damping sphere at all. Would uh, be my thought. It, it, so is uh, were you joking or is three Kiora blasphemous? Uh, I, I think three Kiora is blasphemous. I, I would I would have cut I would have cut literally anything else. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, 
uh, I think last last week Andy and uh, Derek both thought that um, Red, uh, Red Black might be a big player uh, this upcoming week, and uh, we we just had a discussion pre-show, Andy, where where you're possibly bringing that deck, and you think there's some new developments that make it uh, it's it's mono green matchup really good. Can can you speak to that uh, for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So like pre uh, Brothers War, the mono green matchup was like slightly unfavored for Black Red to unfavored but with the addition of misery shadow it kind of swings the whole matchup by itself to be becoming slightly favored and like one of the biggest boons to black red before was that it wasn't that good against mono green and mono green was typically the most popular deck but with the addition of misery shadow being able to kill the the threats from mono green without them getting the dies triggers completely changed things and i think now black red is a slight favorite against mono green which puts Black Red in this position where it's good against every single one of the best decks. <laughs> uh, Derek, do you agree with that assessment? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. I think Andy said everything I would say. And uh, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, I was rewarded for bringing Black Red to an event I beat. I think I only lost to Trudell. So, and Mono Green, I beat the other three Mono Green players I played against. Pretty nice. How uh, repeat again? How like uh, how that matchup specifically went against Trudell? Like, uh, oh yeah, you you said that you were just maybe one one different draw away from from winning those games. Yeah, it, it seemed like um, he had like the top 15 percent of his draw. I had interaction both games I played against him, and it, he just had like like I thought season one turn. There's a picture of me where I have Thoughtseize on the board, and I'm looking at his hand and his cards. His hand is like three best possibles land <laughs> land and it's like okay whatever i take in the next turn I, I can't beat like these three cards and they're all like three different ones and it's just like i've interacted on one i've interacted on two i just like i don't know this is like the only five cards i can't beat and if one of those cards was like another elf or something both games it was exactly like that i was just one turn off i was like i think i got him to one game one and i couldn't get the last point it was just so close and then all my other mono green matchups it was just like they didn't have that extra card they just had like only two things and i beat two things rather than it's just like i don't know that's magic sometimes the mono green deck is powerful because of that uh dan i think you you're nodding your head so you so you do agree that it might pose but like the the biggest threat to your deck this weekend is mono white how, in percentage, how do you view the, the Rakdos matchup? Yeah, so I think after, depending on the number of Misery Shadow in the list, I would say it ranges from 50 to 45% uh, win rate on my side. So I would say it goes from even to slightly unfavored, um, where obviously the higher the number gets of Misery Shadow, the worse life is for me. Um, I, I was laughing and nodding my head because uh, that's exactly how my matchup with Trudel went. Uh, where uh, he just uh, there were a lot of storm the festivals cast and not a whole lot of them were mine is <laughs> was, uh, was my experience with it with that anyway but uh, yeah I, I think the red black matchup has definitely gotten worse however um, I like to play decks that have uh, polarized matchups for the most part and also mat decks that uh, when things go right they go real right if, if that tends to make sense. So like a deck like Mono Green has the ability to just destroy someone on their best draw. And like you get this percentage of the time where you just untap and have a free win. Or like you cast Storm the Festival and you hit the two best possible cards in your deck and there's nothing your opponent could possibly do, right? And like there is obviously when you play a card like Collective Company, Storm the Festival, Kaya's Reconstruction, like any card that has that level of variance in it, there's also a fail rate. But uh, with mono green and being everything in the deck being a hit off of uh, storm, your worst case scenario is you get two forests, right? So like even even in worst case, you still are ahead on the next turn. And so I, I tend to lean towards strategies that kind of uh, give me some percentage of free wins because magic is hard and uh, playing uh, difficult skill intensive games of magic constantly over the course of fifteen rounds can be taxing. So sometimes I like to like to play a real cheesy game of Magic where I, I get hit two Cavaliers off my first storm and we're we're done. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, I totally get that because I felt like Trudell's tournament went 
day two at least went ultra smooth where he was two-owing everyone and even in the last round where he didn't hit he didn't need to play but his opponent did for a win and end because they had uh he he had to be paired up because Trudeau had already played against the second and third place person and smoothly one two zero and every time I looked at his board he was just overwhelmingly ahead so <laughs> I could totally get that and um do you see Mono Green being like he won? We thought that maybe it would shift Mono Green Devotion, maybe up a tick, but do you think it's just going to remain? Well, it sounds like Rakdos, everyone here agrees that Rakdos is going to be the biggest player. Um, so you don't expect as much Mono Green or just about the same as Toronto, Dan? Um, I do not expect as much Mono Green. I think that with uh, uh, what was the event? Uh, mono white recently did pretty well um but regardless with mono green uh being on an uptick i kind of expected uh the meta to uh kind of shift in uh in, in response but I, it really feels like um people kind of decided against just uh piling on a mono white and so i feel pretty okay playing a room full of full of rakdos players uh all day like it, where the matchup is like not super horrible as as mono white is and uh i really would love to avoid the mono green mirror so that's that's the reason i feel confident enough to register this this list for this tournament is as i think that i'm going to avoid the mono green mirror and the mono white matchup and and the rest of the games i feel feel relatively comfortable about playing um the mono green mirror is just is kind of not fun at all it is is what i would describe it as it's incredibly swingy it is um uh dependent on top decks a lot of the time and it, it ends up feeling um a lot like uh, uh phoenix players love to use this word uh, agency um there's no agency in in the mono green mirror <laughs> you're, you're kind of just at, at the will of the gods at that point how and yeah what about you how do you feel about uh mono green heading into calgary i think mono green but let's let's go before all of the regional championships i think mono green was the consensus best deck probably by most players and then it did okay to slightly poor at every single regional i think it was basically 45 percent to 50 percent at all of them and it never broke above 50 and prior to the toronto weekend phoenix was the best performing heavily played deck and it was around 52 to 55 in all of the regionals and that's one of the worst matchups for mono green and it was really heavily played in Toronto, but Phoenix got absolutely destroyed in Toronto and in the following regionals. So I think Phoenix is on the downswing. So now I don't expect there to be a lot of mono green at this tournament just because it doesn't seem to be seen as the consensus best deck like it was before. And I think a lot of the best deck people will gravitate towards black red. So why is it that let's just talk talk about it here? Why is it that you've uh, you've changed? You've changed. You said you were running it back. Yeah, I thought I was going to run it back, but what ended up happening is the meta game is going to change. Black Red's going to be the biggest player. The Black Red matchup for Phoenix is very bad, and Mono Green's going to go down a tick. And the Mono Green matchup is very good, so I don't think Phoenix is no longer a great option and also if lotus field keeps doing well at every regional and winning all the online events that's also another bad matchup for phoenix and i would rather be on the black red side of all of the top decks that i expect so that's why i'm switching and you've heard it here first i'm playing black red mid-range in calgary <laughs> any any particular differences between let's say uh ginger's list if you've seen it yeah, I'm going to play a Hazard in the sideboard because I expect a lot of the mirror, and I don't think it's really beatable in the mirror. Derek, eyes open. What, what What's up? Yeah, Andy's insane. Hazard's unplayable in the 75. I've tried that already. It's really bad. It's not unbeatable in the mirror. Blood Tithe Harvester just carries a lot of weight, and there's a lot of ways to just make jump blockers. You also, like, if your sideboard plan is to go grindy post-board with, like, bank busters, Hazard's the worst card. It does absolutely nothing. It's just a, a five four body that does nothing. If you want a card that's better in the mirror, you just play more bank busters. Like I'm thinking, I think red black's gonna be like thirty percent of the field. Unironically, it's crazy. Every person I know who can walk and talk is gonna be bringing red black. 
from like Lotus players to Phoenix players to whatever. Yeah, uh, I'll, so. I'll have three bank busters in the 75. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about playing four. I just, there's going to be, my look at Calgary is there's going to be a bunch of players who want to do well and they're going to be playing red, black. There's a bunch of people who just own cards. They're just going to be playing whatever they own. There's a bunch of people who are going to show up and try to beat red, black. And they're going to be playing red, green vehicles, enigmatic, maybe mono green if they, they feel they have a, they're favored or like some other random go over the top deck. And it's just going to be like 30% red, black, 10 to 15% Phoenix, 10 to 15% mono green, 50% random cards, maybe like 5%, 7% mono white. Yeah, I think of the decks you mentioned that beat up on black red. I think the Gruel's Vehicles deck is the best one. Not only does the matchup feel extremely bad, in my opinion, it's also relatively good against like some of the other field, for example. Like it's good against mono white. It can race some of the other strategies, especially when it knows what matchups it needs the three mana haste werewolf in. Where it can yeah. mulligan to that. I, I think I agree with that. Uh, overall, I think the red green matchup isn't that bad for black red as long as you have like a, a good plan for it. But the the problem is like a lot of these decks, enigmatic red green vehicles, they're just they they don't exist in a large enough sum so that they actually like people know how to beat them or people know how to play against them. And so at least against mono green now, look, it took me a while. I I know how to beat mono green. I also know how I'm going to lose. Against red green, it's just like, well, I don't know what they're doing, and they just have a bunch of cards, and I hope I don't die to them post board. Like Happy Sandwich, he had that stupid three three werewolf thing. Never seen that card before in my life in that deck. Every time I saw him play it, he just won the game immediately. On turn two, what? Yeah, Happy Sandwich, like started with that innovation, and I think his vehicles list was by far the best list in the tournament. He was also playing Hazarets in the sideboard, which are like, which are really good against Black Red, especially in that deck, and yeah. really and really really good against Phoenix. Unbeat Phoenix cannot beat that card. Yeah, that, like, and that's a bad mon- matchup for months ago stuff. when when Phoenix was super popular after the EI ban. I put two or three Hazarets in my deck. Oh, I just rolled Phoenix. They just couldn't beat it, and that's the only reason I was playing Hazaret. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of random decks like that that are just like three to five percent of the format and they show up and it's like okay well whatever you got me congratulations yeah, I, I accept the l like if i play against vehicles i'm going to lose probably i'm not gonna gear the sideboard too much for that just accept it it begs the question andy why aren't you playing one of your best buddies decks then if you have such high praise for it uh i don't i don't like the play style that much i think black red is an overall better deck if you look at the the field Despite that deck having some good matchups against probably two of the top three decks, I think uh, Black Red's just a more powerful deck and is can consistently beat almost any deck with with its cards. And it also gains some of the most from open deck list. And that's not something you should consider that much, but it is definitely a positive in the favor of Black Red, knowing when you don't need your fatal pushes. And when you do need a Thoughtseize for sure, can really help with your mulligans a lot. It's always what happens with situational cards. Like Mono Green gets worse in open deck list, obviously. And decks like Black Red and Phoenix get much better with open deck list. I do I do just want to mention uh, that while it's true, Mono Green in general gets worse in open deck list formats. I found the Stone Brain to be especially egregious uh, when when presented with open deck list. Uh, the, the ability to strip my opponents only out uh, saved me in a lot of games. Uh, and I, I do think that it is understated a little bit when open deck list comes up. Actually, that's a good good question to ask you guys. Like, Derek, do you, do you feel uh, what's some of the decks that you feel gained the most or, or the least from open deck list? Um, the deck that probably gains the most is probably red black. I don't know how many times I just aggressively mulliganed or, or kept hands that like I wouldn't keep online because I knew what I was playing against um, game one. It was so insanely helpful. Um, it also was much worse for my mono green opponents, my mono white opponents, specifically against red black to be like, 
okay, I'm keeping my seven. They're like, okay, yeah, it probably has like two pushes or he probably has like double thought sees or something. Um, a lot of things like that. I think it depends on the matchup a lot. I think in general, if you're a Lotus player or a mono green player, you are on the back foot because you are a synergy based combo deck, so to speak. Like mono green less so because you have some fail safes and just being a beatdown deck some amount of the time. Um, but if I thought season push your stuff, mono green's like three or four turns behind and similar against Lotus. It's like if I thought sees your important spell or know how to play the beatdown plus thoughts he's against you, you're probably going to lose overall. You can't steal as many game ones. I think it's helpful in mono white a little bit because they have things like Thalia. Um, you can also be more aggressive with your uh, creatures if you're instead of playing around a Wrath out of like Phoenix or something. And then I think Phoenix actually just, I don't know if Phoenix gains much. Uh, game one, they... They're the high agency deck, if you will. So th they get a little bit more percentages, but realistically their deck is just cast up, look at you, hope you don't have anything. I don't know, spin their wheels or whatever. Yeah, the most important thing Phoenix gains is whether or not you need to have a fiery impulse in your opening hand. Right, okay, yeah. I guess specifically against Mono Green. So yeah, the matchup matters a lot, then I think, more than anything. All I'm going to say is I've, I've never seen a Phoenix that can attack through a Cavalier of Thorns. That's uh, <laughs> the comment I'm going to make. All right. Um, any more questions from, from Derek and Dan? Uh, Derek and Andy for Dan? Um, did you enjoy playing Mono Green? Like, <laughs> I, I think you've gone over it a bit. But one of the biggest reasons that I've heard people, because like, I hate playing Mono Green. I hate playing against it. But like, I, I have red, black brain. Um, I know some people who are like, yeah, I know it's the best deck, but I do not want to play it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to think about those random four cards in my deck. So like, it, yeah, do, do you enjoy it? Is it like... Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to help myself here, but uh, I actually uh, love playing decks like Mono Green. Uh, I liken it to the KCI deck of old um, from Modern, where uh, I don't know. My favorite thing was taking all of the game actions, and so in in mono green, you uh, on especially on combo turns, uh, being able I, I just find demonstrating a loop to be the most fun thing in the world, um, and so I just yeah I I loved it the entire time, and um, I I feel like uh, yeah I I feel like it is a lot of fun, but you kind of have to have the uh, the right. Um, the right like play style for it uh it's very combo heavy and uh if you kind of approach it as like a ramp deck or or something else you might you might not enjoy it so it, it really um it really like kind of tickles the johnny in me if that makes sense um and and that for that reason i i was thrilled the entire time playing it and i'm sure i'll, I'll love playing it the whole time uh, in calgary okay follow-up question if if it wasn't the quote-unquote like top three deck best deck in the format let's say it was like the fourth or fifth best deck would you still play that over a random other top three deck is it like more a play style thing or is it like a power level thing or is it like the perfect mix of both i guess in pioneer as a format yeah so i would honestly say it's it's the fact that it's the mix of both so like if this deck was not actually a valid contender and I didn't feel like it was that powerful, I don't think I would I would feel comfortable sleeping it up. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, before this uh, like I um, I practiced mono green constantly like for maybe a hundred hours um, before this Toronto tournament um, and uh, like as I got closer, I kept practicing other decks. I kept I tried boats, I tried red black, I tried all of these different decks and. Um, at, at the very last minute, I was just like, I'm going to play the deck I feel most comfortable with. I'm going to play the deck I feel like has the most free wins. And I'm, I'm going to play the deck that uh, I'm going to enjoy the most. So I, I, I do think, uh, as I, I am also like, at the end of the day, I do want to win. Uh, I, I wouldn't play the deck if I felt like it wasn't a serious contender in the format. All right, Dan, I think uh, you've been an amazing guest uh, this Lots of content for anyone playing this weekend, and I, I really thank you for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you back again, hopefully maybe as early as next week if you top eight. 
Um, yeah, best of luck, my man. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, that's Dan Snyder. And now we've got Attila Fur GP Calgary champion on the pod to give us some. I told to give us some Alberta intel. Uh, but uh, so far, Attila, like uh, these guys, these guys are convinced Rakdos will be a big player. Is that what you're hearing on the ground right now, Attila? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Rakdos will be number one in in this meta game here. Pretty convinced, number one deck, <laughs> most played. Whether it's the best or not, it's a different story. But most played. Let's let's start off actually with with you. You know, it's, how was Toronto? Was it a, a a terrible tournament for you, or was it like okay? In terms of results, uh, I mean, results-wise, wasn't great. I started 3-0, and then uh, the variants of our red green vehicles hit me, like the uh, seven-card hands where you have your elf, you have the haster, but then you have a mountain and a mutavolt, <laughs> and then you have to mulligan, and then you have oh another mutavolt and no green sources. Like ah, okay, got a mulligan again. So after after that tournament, are you running back gruel vehicles? Yeah, um, I tend to play decks that I have fun playing as opposed to playing the best deck. And Red Green Vehicles is still pretty good, making a few tweaks, changing up the list a bit. But I'm still going to run it because it's the deck I have the most fun playing. Are you seeing, have you seen some of the other lists? Like um, Andy had great things to say about Happy Sandwich's list. And even Derek said he was surprised to see, you know, for the first time, you saw Werewolf Pack Leader, I believe, and, and we're shocked with that. It was just completely surprising. It just wrecked, uh, completely wrecked people. Uh, what do you think about that card? Because you didn't initially play it in Toronto. So have you been looking at little lists and, and testing them out as well? I have four in the deck right now. Oh. The, card is, the card is insane. Well, um, well, you either draw a card or you have to kill it. And if they kill it, then your Stormseeker lives. And it's just like, it's a must kill. The Stormseeker is a must kill. So... It just like overwhelms people. So I want to know: is this a recent? Is it a Happy Sandwich innovation, Andy, or, or like what's going on? Is this recent? It, it is. It's just the Happy Sandwich. He <laughs> didn't like scavenging news. He's like, this card's kind of trash. I played against Phoenix. It's not even that good. Why am I playing this card? And then he looked at the Werewolf Pack Leader. And the secret W for playing Werewolf Pack Leader is it forces you to play a playable mana base. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think all the lists I saw online didn't play double green was because the mana was um rather inconsistent like attila said like you just run into a bit of variance where your mana is not great i think if you can fix the mana base out of the red green vehicles and make your curve a lot more aggressive like turn one must kill elf turn two pack leader turn three storm seeker like it just doesn't matter what your opponent's doing so yeah i think it's really good i think happy sandwich is a, a smart individual Attila, so you're feeling this deck might be a bit more consistent color-wise because I guess you're playing less less Mutavolts to have more color land sources. Yeah, you, you four Mutavolts seems good on paper, but it's definitely wrong <laughs> because it, you have you mulligan so many times because of Mutavolts. So if you can remove that aspect of the deck and you always have like a keepable hand almost, where even if you don't have Elf, you still have the pack leaders. So it's a, now you don't have to go from one to three. You can go two drop, three drop, and it's still a decent curve. So you just have way more keepable hands. Um, who who um, is testing at, at the place you're currently recording from? And then, you know, can you mention, are they trying different brews or just, just making sure they get some good games in with the decks that they've uh, chosen to play? Yeah, I mean, we have Chantel, Jesse testing mono green and red green. Uh, Todd is, uh, is testing his fires deck. He really likes that deck. Uh, we have Parker Connors on Mono White, testing that one. Brett Steele testing uh, Phoenix. And we have Dallas Nickel testing like any Mono Red Acro deck that he can. Wait, is there so, any like, Rakdos in there? <laughs> no, not right now. Um, we, we do have it, but none of us actually want to play Rakdos. Um, I think Andy mentioned, or or was it Derek, that, that Gruel might be one of the matchups that like wants to see or, or is slightly favored against Rakdos. What do you feel about that matchup? Gruel, the, the aggro deck, the aggro version? Uh, Gruel, like Gruel vehicles versus uh, Rakdos. It's it's pretty good matchup. They literally have to kill everything on one, two, and three and hope we don't get any, uh, the, we don't get a chariot. And it's just 
you tend to overload their removal spells. Oof. So, man, all in agreement that so if, if there's a lot of, oh man, red, black, this might be the deck. But what matchups do you not want to see with this deck then? I have no idea how you beat Lotus Field combo or like a, or like any decent control deck if that exists right now. It's just you're playing creatures, you hope they live, and you attack. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it. That's all the deck can do. Right, so avoid Lotus Field. And what, what other control decks would people see in Calgary? Uh, there's a couple of blue-white players locally. Um, I haven't fully tested against like the Fires and Enigmatic decks. I assume that it's pretty good if you have a decent draw. But then again, they can go Binding and a bunch of other removal spells to kind of wreck you. So like, I think anything that's more on the control side or combo side would be bad for the deck. Well, one of my best friends, Alex Kane, played blue-white, and he did awful. <laughs> so, And um, he is not, um, surprise, surprise, breaking news, he's not playing blue-white in Calgary. I know what he's playing. Uh, heading into this weekend. Um, it's very likely that he's joining the Derek army and playing some Rakdos this weekend as well. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. So I don't know um, what control decks might show up and how much and how much uh, Andy, how much spirits might might pop up. I think there was they were on the fringe when I was um, doing the the metagame breakdown. Um, there were some mono blue spirits creeping up in the standings. Spirits is a it's a ghost deck. It it only exists in theory. It's not actually real. I don't think it's going to be played very much. It's not. Its best matchup is mono green, and mono green's on the downswing. It's just not going to be played a whole lot, in my opinion. Right. So <clears throat> I'm excited for you, Atola. Then you're playing what these guys think as a dangerous matchup is a dangerous matchup for Rakdos. So you might be in for a good weekend. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if not, there's people to see people to hang out with side events uh, the calgary uh, sorry the toronto one was pretty good event lots of things to do everything was done pretty well so even if you don't do well in the main event there's a lot of things to do appreciate that um is there anything particular about the sideboard that you tweak it for for specific matchups or are you running back roughly the same thing i think it's like nine or 80 percent the same thing a couple of cards i've been told are bad so i'm gonna you know put something better in there um but i always like to change a card or two something fringe that people don't really expect what what cards are, are people saying are, are bad well apparently heaven and earth is a bad card uh everyone has to read it it's it's just very very narrow it's a fun card though <laughs> Uh, I'm in a Discord with Attila, and it's basically just a Discord of them posting ideas and me saying it's bad to the point where I asked Happy Sandwich, is it bullying if I just keep telling them that these things are bad? But Heaven and Earth, yeah, that was really bad. I'm pr I'm certain I'm the one who told you it was really bad. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I actually don't, I don't think I have uh, any more questions for Attila, actually. Um, i trying to think of, uh, what about you guys? How many Albertans do you think are going to be in top eight? Oh, okay, that's a that's a fun question. Like, like, uh, there's zero. I looked at the statistics because people keep asking me about it. I think there was an Albertan in twenty first in Toronto. Uh, I think there was another one at like thirty something, but they didn't really show up. And I keep hearing about all these Albertans. So uh, I don't know, home turf. How many do you think are going to be there? Well, it depends. Do we consider both Alberta or is he like Montreal now? Like, is he just, like, washed up from here? Or I don't like... think it matters. Yeah, it, it, I'm not worried about <laughs> Bosu at all. You can have him. <laughs> I, have play, I played against Bosu today online, and I rolled them, so it definitely doesn't matter. Yeah, we were talking about that one. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Where would you set the line? What's the line, Andy? I, I put the line at – what did I put it at? Was it one and a half or two and a half? Whoa, whoa, one and a half. That's if, that's aggressive. That's aggressive. One and a half was too aggro. I, I probably put it at two and a half, and I would take the under. There's, okay. I mean, like, I don't know how many people. I checked the website a couple of days ago. It was like one fifty. If like two fifty right now. Yeah, if two people, two fifty people show up to this, what percentage do you think are Albertans, and what percentage do you think are non-Albertans? 
I guess, is also a, a question. It, yeah, that's definitely a valid question, but it's just the quality of players who <laughs> oh, will travel God. from out of town is so high. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. This is a call-out post to all Albertans in chat. I, I would assume that like probably half would be Albertan just because of judging by the size of our face-to-faces and all that and people from the surrounding cities and all that would probably travel. So like I would say like prob- it shouldn't be too hard to get like 150 Albertans if it's a 250 tournament. <laughs> and he's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not saying it matters. I'm just saying like the numbers. <laughs> but until I imagine you're going to take the over on 2.5. Uh, I would think like two or three probably have a decent shot, you know. So it's a good line. He's saying it's a good line, Andy. Good, good sports. I nailed it. Uh, I, I, I think it's a good line. <laughs> Derek smirking, definitely taking the under. Um, yeah, no comment. No comment about how many Albertans I think are going to be in top eight or top 16 or top 32 or, you know. Top 250. Yeah, exactly. No comment at all. But, Andy, some of the people you told me were the most promising are from Alberta. So, I don't, so this is the conflicting thing, I feel. Um, like, how do I – like, what? what is – how do I consolidate these two facts, you know? All right, Carl. I'll ask you a hypothetical. What would you prefer? Would you prefer me to promise to give you something or would you prefer me to give you something? I prefer you give me something. It sounds like promise don't mean much. <laughs> yeah, they have like the most hope because the bar is like so low, right? Oh like, well, I'm really hoping for these ones because I can't bet on Edgar anymore. They won't give me a good rate. It's like, ah. Oh. Well, maybe we can get a good rate on like these three Albertans we've just found out about last week or something. I, I, I put my uh, if I if I was to put money on such a thing, I would put it on Andrew Huska and Andrew Trainer to join me for the triple Andrew top eight. The triple Andrew that sounds like it's illegal in some states. Damn, frowned upon. I feel like I feel like Huska is just like a fool's hope at this point. <laughs> I, I don't know what other people think. I'm loving this rivalry, especially when it manifests itself on, on Twitter. Uh, it's just it's just fun. I mean, it uh, brings certain people's names up uh, a lot, and it creates a story. Um, like For- Fournier is not shy to jump in as well with uh, the Alberta disses. So it's just it's just fun theater for me. Here's the secret sauce: is that there's not much of a reason for the Ontarians to interact with the Albertans. And it's just a fun time to let them know who's who and show them who's who. And and, and we deal with the oh, and we deal with the Quebecers way too much. Like I'm tired of hearing about Hain, you know. Uh, Random like we French get it. guy. Yeah, he we get it. He's good. Whatever. Like we we gotta like we can't make fun of PEI. There's like ten people there. Uh, like they're all related. They'll beat us up in a fight in the parking lot or something. Like in Alberta, at least they like look cool when they beat us up. Like I'm five six. If I'm getting beat up by a cowboy, that's a good weekend for me. They got that oil money, you know. Somebody has to. It's like the thing about Quebec is that it's not really known for for any players. Once you remove Hayne and, and Pascal, it's like there are like no disrespect to people who are below them, but there's like a huge gap uh, between those two resume and then the next person i mean you know friend of mine robert anderson anderson has won a gp but of course his like it's like there's nothing compared to how good the, t- the top tier are considered um i'm sure there's and, some english bias in that yeah <laughs> and we just don't have the like from my perspective i don't as many players that i've heard of compared to like um like Ontario, there's just you can rattle off so many names that have uh, competed at the highest level, um, and once like like once John Stern moved from from Quebec, like you know it's the S tier in Quebec is, is is thin, very thin. I'll have to admit that it's just the corpse of Alex Hayne and the corpse of Pascal Maynard. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. But 
you know, like uh, Dahlia said, that's why there's like this possibly this also English French uh, disconnect. And that's why like Quebec people are less likely to work together or form a tight knit community that she sees in, in Alberta and in Toronto. And we don't even have MTG Quebec here. Like we yeah. don't even have a website to pull everyone together. Yeah. Like M M MTG Alberta is just like one of the most popping uh, Facebook groups that I'm in. It's like the one that uh, when I put, when I post about like FTF opens, that's like the one I know it's going to get some, like people are actually going to see my post and learn about the tournament or, or an upcoming event. Um, somehow it's just like the biggest Facebook community. I mean, they're probably going to see if someone's selling cards and then they see your post and like, ah, oh, okay, there's a face-to-face -face <laughs> event. I guess we should go. <laughs> yep. But anyways, hopefully uh, all three of you do really well. Uh, thanks for coming on, Attila. Um, I don't know if you have questions for us, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, just you guys better be ready for the minus 30 or minus 25 or whatever we're getting here on the weekend. I checked the weather and it said it was only going to be minus 10, but I think I saw Chantel post and she said in Edmonton it was minus 30 this week and I was really upset. Well, it was minus 30 yesterday. Today it was like minus two, which makes no sense, but this is Alberta. Yeah, it's like five degrees here now and I think it was minus five on the weekend last weekend. And I'm like, okay, minus 10 I can deal with. Minus 30, I cannot deal with. I am fragile. Get prepped, Danny. <laughs> you know, you know, little known fact about me. I used to live in northern British Columbia. Whoa. I have been in minus 50. I oh, did not know that. I did not know that. We got it. You've been in colder than everybody else. You're cooler. Whatever. Got ice in my veins. All right. Attila, good luck this weekend and uh, hope to talk to you soon as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.